0: Welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Gabby Schulte, and I don't know that much about technology. And I'm Laura Milstein, and I know a little bit about technology. That's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters. That's right, we're bringing the experts to us. So Laura, who are we talking to today? Today we're talking to Jules Polonetsky. Jules
1: is the CEO of the Future of Privacy Forum, a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit organization that's serves as a catalyst of privacy leadership and scholarships, advancing principled data practices in supporting of emerging technologies. Jules, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. And I've forgotten a lot about technology, but I have teenage kids and I ask them my stupid questions. So I try to stay smart.
1: Is that why you got them? Is that why you had the kids just it, it because it
2: made it worthwhile? It wasn't yeah. in the plan, but it, it has made it worthwhile.
0: Extra bonus. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, but they're getting older. So I don't get like the super insights that I used to get. Um, uh, um, I like, you know, I learned about snap Snapchat streaks. I've learned what emojis are appropriate for, you know, today.
0: Mm, yes. That
2: crying doesn't mean crying. Crying means laughing. Right. Except if you use it, the rumba. Like, you know, you got to keep up with it. <laughs> got to keep up with these things. Yeah.
0: And now, like, laughing is actually, like, the skull emoji for Yes, us. Like, right? you're dead. Exactly. Because you laugh so hard that uh, you're dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you know well, that, Laura? I
1: didn't know that. I was just like, it, yeah, te- well, you're it really seems old. like I'm not the tech person anymore. I think uh, we've done so many episodes <laughs> that you've become the tech person, Gabby, because I did not know that. I was like, that.
0: Well, I have, a, I have a 12-year-old niece, so... Oh, I, I got to call my really nieces. Go. Oh, there you go. I got to call my go. nieces and be like, how come you didn't teach me these things?
2: I've, I just <laughs> flashed our our friends here, the skull that Zoom now lets you put into
0: yeah. your
2: stream. Yeah,
0: yeah. Zoom, Zoom came already. in with a couple of up, upgrades that we have not yet to play around with. So we will on this, on this episode. Uh, but yeah. Jules, we want to know, uh, how did you get into data privacy? What attracted you? about what, what about data privacy attracted you to it?
2: Nothing, nothing. Um, because when I started there, there weren't, wasn't really a field called data privacy or there weren't that many of us. I I was the consumer affairs commissioner for New York city once upon a time in New York. Um, and, um, so I was responsible for enforcing the consumer protection laws against the businesses who might be doing things that were deceptive or fraudulent, claiming that there was a going out of business sale or 50% off, or I don't know, you you name the kinds of scams and marketing issues. Um, and uh, there was some company called DoubleClick. Um, I didn't really know what that, that meant or what that was, but there was a big sign that uh, used to be in Manhattan, and it said welcome to Silicon Alley, double click. And they had this, even though they were in the banner ad business, they had the brilliant idea that they put up a billboard. And since New York was trying to brand itself as Silicon Alley, um, but there was no alley. So they put up the sign and everyone knew, oh, double click, Silicon Alley. And uh, so I knew they, they existed. And one day I opened up the newspaper, the print newspaper at that time, and uh, they're in trouble. The FTC is investigating them many attorneys general, um, uh, class action litigation. And what are they doing wrong? Evidently, they're tracking people with cookies, whatever those were on the internet. And that wasn't the problem. The problem was that they were now going to append your name and what you actually purchased in catalogs because simply tracking you and creating a profile and tailoring ads based on the websites you went to wasn't enough for advertisers. Advertisers wanted to know, who you were, and what you purchased so that they could try to sell you more or different things. And evidently, this was wrong and bad, and uh, everybody was after them for this this terrible misstep. Turns out, an old pal of mine, I had worked for then Senator Chuck Schumer, now Senate Majority Leader Schumer, um, and a colleague of mine uh, from Schumerland uh, was the government affairs lead at DoubleClick. And uh, I was good friends with him. And when I saw this, I said, Hey, what are you going to do? You're in trouble. Cookies, what's going on there? And he said, Oh, we're going to hire a chief privacy officer who's going to help make sure we follow the rules. In fact, there are no rules. Someone's going to have to develop the rules. And, and I'm like, Oh, That sounds like an interesting job. I had never planned on being in in government. I kind of fell into it and just kept getting elected and, you know, new things came along. But, um, you know, there I was still pretty young and um, uh, all my friends were making dot com fortunes and I was sort of in government in, in the city. And this sounded pretty cool. So I came in and was one of the earlier chief privacy officers when that role was first being created. Um, one of the New York business publications, since I was a bit of a public figure, um, you know, ran a story making fun of me, saying "Chief Privacy Officer, Chief Ninja Yahoo." This, these names of these dot com, silly, <laughs> you know, these things are not going to last. And as you know, mm. not only has the Chief Privacy role lasted, but as of just several weeks ago, the IAPP, the organization that lots of us privacy professionals belong to, hit seventy thousand members who work full time in privacy. So I think wow. that publication is out of business, but the chief <laughs> privacy officers are not. So that was my start at DoubleClick. Now part of Google, the ad serving banner ad division that um, puts all those banner ads that you click on and hopefully buy things from.
1: Joke's on him now. Yeah, joke's on him. <laughs> should Send him some actual cookies and be like, those are
0: I, I can't. How about them a- cookies? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have anything
2: here. (laughs) It's interesting that we're talking about this, because that was sort of the beginning of tracking cookies. And now, right now, we are almost at the end of tracking cookies, right? Because Google has recently (laughs) announced that Chrome will not support third-party cookies like soon, as soon as they figure something better out, but they're in the midst of working on a something better. Um, And Apple, obviously, apps don't use cookies. Apps use mobile identifiers, but they're kind of like cookies, right? They're Mm -hmm. unique IDs that can be used to track you when you use different apps. And Apple has just recently, right, anybody who's upgraded to the latest version of iOS knows that the apps now must ask you, pretty please, can we track you? And you know what? Yeah, People are saying, no way, no thank you, very small mm-hmm. percent. And so um, I feel like I've come full circle from the cookies are doing bad things to the <laughs> bye-bye cookies era. So it could be time to retire.
0: That That's so interesting because... Um... I started getting those notifications and I was wondering, you know, I, I i wonder if there's anything that's keeping track of it. But how many people are actually being like, oh, yeah, you can track me. I don't care because <laughs> when you give people the choice, I'm sure uh, I feel like it would be natural for people to be like, oh, I don't I don't want companies knowing what I want to purchase and what I purchase and all of that stuff. Um, Well, the jury's still
2: out on how many are saying yes or no. You can be sure that it is being really closely monitored and written about by all the third-party tracking companies who are like, is my business going to disappear? I don't know, maybe. Um, Can I test? Can I ask nicely? Can I pop up something saying, pretty please, pretty please? And before I hit the formal dialogue that Apple triggers. So this is the big drama in one part of my world where we try to improve ad practices. That's one of the things the Future Privacy Forum does. We work with all the different stakeholders from Apple to Google to ad tech companies to consumer groups to figure out, is there a way to do this right? Because like, you know, ads do pay for those apps. Like you don't want to pay for them, but you also maybe don't want to pay for it with your data So can we figure out some way where advertisers get what they need, which is, I don't know how many people clicked on this ad or is it working right? Like I'm advertising and people are showing up, but are they showing up because I don't know, they searched for my product or uh, because I don't know, I had a TV ad or I don't know, they just stumbled on it or is the money I'm spending on advertising working right? There's a famous quote attributed to the um, John Wanamaker, right? That, um, Uh, something about how, how does it go? My advertising works. I just don't know which half of it works or something like that. I've messed it up. But in any event, um, you know, online, you can learn whether or not your ads work because cookies or other tracking pixels, web bugs, other unique IDs Um, are used. So um, this is going to change. And we're going to be moving into a world where more on-device processing is going to happen. If you don't want to ask for that pesky pop-up, Apple will let you use whatever data you have on the device. Or Apple itself, since Apple says, hey, we should also follow the rules that we are imposing on others. So Apple's view is, Apple can only use the information on your device—things Apple knows about you from your phone—but not tracking you across other websites or you know uh, other stuff like that. So, on-device processing, um, sophisticated um, federated learning, where companies can you know make some conclusions about what's going on, but not actually have individual data about each user. But this is a pretty big change, and these are really new techniques, and the jury's out on exactly how it's going to work. So hold on. Privacy is changing.
0: Hold on. <laughs> um, do you think it took a while to, to make these changes? Because, you know, you said, you know, when you were first starting out, the questions were already being asked, um, you know, are, are these things, is it good? Is it good to have cookies? Is it good to have, be having these tracking systems? And now we're here. And would you say that it took too long or, or yeah, what do you think about that?
2: So I think it's all of our fault, industry, civil society, for the mess that we have created. You know, the initial goal when the founders of DoubleClick and the early tech companies came along, you know, the advertising world in that time was Alta Vista, uh, was Lycos was AOL. Um, and there was no way to advertise on many, many little sites. There just wasn't like, you couldn't call up all the bloggers and like, Hey, I'll email you my ad. Um, so you had to go to the places where there were big audiences. You know, if you're Coke and you're trying to reach, you know, hundred million people with your latest launch of cherry grape soda or whatever it is, you know, you can't place little ads on thousands of sites. You need big audiences. And what the ad networks did is they said, Hey, you bloggers, Hey, you little sites doing funky things. Um, you don't even know how to sell ads. How about you just put this code on your page and uh, we'll send you money. And then you go ahead and be you, you be you, and we will send you ads. And guess what? We will hire the cool salespeople, the sexy, dramatic, you know, dashing kind of people who, take their clients out for fancy lunches and have tickets to sporting events, you know, the, the slick and smooth talking salespeople. We will hire those people who know who, how to play golf with the top executives who buy ads at Procter & Gamble And they will sell many millions of ads. And then we will, zoom, distribute them across many, many sites. And we will say, we are as big as AOL. We represent 10,000 little sites. And a bunch of them are sports sites. And a bunch of them are finance. And this one is women's health. So what do you want? And we'll sell them as a package. So they really felt, those initial founders, that they were democratizing access. And AOL, and I you know, have fond feelings of AOL and eventually became their chief privacy officer, but AOL in those days was pretty tough and thuggy, right? They would say to um, those little sites, um, hey, we'd like to buy 51% of your site for really cheap and by the way, you're also gonna buy a lot of ads and the site would be like, no, we don't wanna do that. Well, we got your main competitor down the hall and they've agreed to give us 52% and they're gonna spend their year's budget on ads and we're gonna put them on the homepage of AOL and there's gonna be a big media story about how they're our favorite partner and they're gonna get massive traffic and you're gonna be dead meat. So you want the deal and if you don't say yes, we're signing that paper with the other people down the hall right now, right? So the third-party ad networks came along and said, no, no, no. We don't want to beat you. We don't want to buy you. We want to give you money. Just give us a little space at the top over there, maybe some space on the side, maybe a couple of pop-ups. So look, it wasn't ideal, but it wasn't horrible. What ended up happening is instead of simply being happy with, hey, we're selling and serving and so forth... Um, that was not very efficient. Those cool salespeople, guess what? They wanted a lot of money. They wanted stock options. Those golf clubs were very expensive. They had fancy lunches. Automate it all. Who needs them? Automate it all. And so we built a stock market-like, very efficient exchange. And today, the way ads are sold is autom- automatically, when you pull up a web page or when you open up an app, there's an auction and there's bidding for you based on what those folks know about you frankly you could be some blogger site that writes about the most weird things nobody cares about what you write about or you could write about data protection which is very interesting of course but you know may not be you know where coke wants to put their their new roll out the olivia rodrigo's ads or you know her new music. See, I'm trying to show that I've learned something from my yeah. um, uh, driver's license, flex. something about driver's flex. license, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, Deja vu. Yeah. so that might not, right? So no, they don't even care where the ad is. They know who you are and they know that you are mm-hmm. a person in the market for a new car, or you are a person who spends money, you know, on finance. And so it got out of control. Um, people, people, who you are, was being bid and traded and swapped and sold. And, oh, guess what? Sometimes government would buy it and mm. law enforcement would buy it. And, um, oh, it turns out there was a story recently that the location data, right, which you also provide very often uh, when you mm-hmm. say to some app, yes, was being sold to the military and they were using it to oh, help target drones in some country, like military attacks, right? like, Whoa! What's going on? There was one person who was a targeting ads at abortion clinics to mm. urge women. This evangelical, um, no, don't do it. Like somebody yeah, would like check yeah. their, their check their phone or check the weather wow. or call an Uber, and you. They there were uh, ad tech companies targeting emergency rooms with like you know slip and fall kind of you know lawyer ads. There were like so it got out of control, and as a result the browsers and the regulators have made the the more extreme levels very hard. And if we had been perhaps a little more conservative, a little more respectful, maybe actually explaining to people a little bit more about like what's going on here, you know, like, you know, you, you shop on Amazon, right? And um, Amazon says to you right then and there, here's all the stuff you might like based on your past searches. And here's what other people who bought, you bought, bought. And you're like, oh, that's seems interesting. You're not like, whoa, creeped out. How do they know that? You're like, yeah, they want to sell me stuff. They know what everyone bought and they're telling me that people who bought that also bought this, right? They say it right there. It's like a feature even, right? They, you click on it and you like-
1: Yeah, it feels kind of friendly. It It feels kind of nice. They've made it a feature,
2: right? They've made it a UI and they've been transparent about it. But you go to a website their website is like, hey, read our policy. Oh, we don't know about those. Uh, read, go to the advertiser to read about that. We're not responsible <laughs> for the third parties on this site. You're not? Who put them there? Were they magically like swim up the sewer into your site? You yep. put the code there, you are responsible. But you know what? A lot of companies didn't even know about it. Or even apps where it's not even a matter of putting code in your site, right? An app, you've got to put the third party code into your SDK. You've got to build it in to your code and people are still like, I don't know what's going on. Where's the data going? You put the software in there. You didn't ask what it does. You shouldn't be shocked that maybe you're in China. And you're like, oh, I don't know. So we didn't take responsibility for the customer experience. And we didn't make it a good experience. Um, yeah. hey, I go in occasionally. You know, you can tailor your um, your ads um, at Facebook, at Google, at you a know, number of companies. You can go in and they will say, Oh you want to be male, you want to be female, you want to choose I so I like I chose all ads about scotch and wine. Um, one of my hobbies over Zoom during pandemic is I've been taking a wine training course. So in case this data nice. thing doesn't oh, work out or maybe yeah. after 20 years I hang it up, maybe I can be a so- sommelier. I'm somm. Yeah. Som. Be a somm. Is that what they call it? Is that what the cool?
0: Yeah, som. I guess. <laughs> that's right. reason Netflix there's a Netflix documentary called Psalm that I watched oh. once. And now oh. I, I feel like I am one. So
2: well, you, are. you are. So I've been t- tasting and talking <laughs> with the experts and, we you know, trying to, te- trying to teach each other, you know, learn and so forth. Uh, so um, I went in and I changed all my settings because I figured, oh, I'll get wine ads. But you know what? It doesn't do that because no one, you know, Amazon is literally saying you're here. What do we know about you? What can we like? sell you based on what you bought. So it may not be perfect. And they might have like the gift I bought for my cousin's baby. And it's like, why are you now recommending me maternity stuff? It's like not relevant, but like, I get they're trying. You go to a web page, nobody's like, oh, Jules is here. Well, let's see what he might like, given what we know about him. No, there's a bidding. And although companies say that you're getting relevant ads, no, you're getting the highest priced ad for someone who wants to buy something and someone like you that might be relevant but it just might be that i fit into the marketing bucket of a marketer who thinks i'm relevant for him or her but from my point of view it's just some irrelevant thing i don't want to see
1: so jules that kind of brings us to something that gabby and i have talked about a lot and since you're the you know privacy tech expert today, can you help us with this?
2: No, so, Facebook is not listening. It's to your phone no, and it's targeting it's ads based you're close, you but it's
1: not that. So that is where it originated. So we wanted to know, you know, is our phone listening to us? And so we talked to uh, several different people, and then there was this guy who was like, "No, your phone is not listening to you." And then he explained that your phone is taking data. So if you all all of a sudden you think you just talked about toothpaste that what you got a toothpaste ad. But in reality, it sees that you had bought toothpaste in the past because your credit card was linked and perhaps your location and all these things. Well, I've been testing this out and I am not convinced. I think that my phone is listening to me because sometimes yeah. you will. Yeah, I've done some tests and I'll be like, OK, what is something I've never talked about? I've never bought. And I'll just repeat it over and over. I'll be like, baby, Beer baby beer and whatever you know what I'm trying to say. I have no babies, I don't want any baby beerin. I have no need, and I'm just sure. gonna say it over and over. I haven't bought any baby supplies. And guess what? Got ads on it.
2: Guess what? What you for How? the first time noticed that there are baby-born mm. ads that show up occasionally once in a blue moon on your page. Three days ago, before you did that experiment you never noticed any damn ads because whoever pays attention to any damn ads, all of a sudden you are noticing an ad and because there is this coincidence. So, but first of all, folks, we did not prepare this question. I said that that's, I predicted, is Facebook listening, is ad tech listening? (laughs) So the answer
1: is- I'm going to start tracking all my ads and we'll see. We'll see, Joel. They are
2: not, they are not. And I guarantee it. I work super closely with the chief privacy officer's at hmm. most of the ad tech companies with Facebook, with Google. So, um, uh, and here, here's the reason why it happens. First of all, here's why it isn't happening. You can go in and see what they have. They sell what they have. You can go in and buy Facebook ads. You can go buy LinkedIn ads. You can, you know, you just take a credit card um, and you can go in and they show you what they have. And uh, they're not selling for a big premium People who recently talked about X, Y, Z. So if it's a great secret, they're hiding it as opposed to actually making money off it. Number one. Number two, they've all on the record said very clearly that they do not do this. And as we know, the Federal Trade Commission, attorneys general, even old consumer affairs commissioners like me, when a company says, here's what my policy is, in their privacy policy or in a clear statement huge liability you are sued for a deceptive trade practice now sometimes these companies do get sued because they don't they say things and you know they turn out not to be true but this has been one where they've been pretty emphatic because it's been coming up for a long time and so the answer is you pay attention to no ads on a typical basis name one ad you saw today okay you saw a lot of ads you're on I the internet cannot, right i
1: cannot name one so i will say you won this Battle Maybe you've
2: seen in the past, other than the creepy ones that you think were tied to Facebook. Shoes, shoes, shoes. Uh, you mm-hmm. were retargeted because you looked at shoes, and then those shoes chased you around the internet. Right? That's mm-hmm. that's that's true. Okay, but most mostly, right? You, you don't recognize. The There's a little. Me the shoes me do chase you around. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Right. Well, that's called retargeting. And if
1: I bought them, I could chase them right back.
2: Well, you know what annoys me is when I buy it and it's still chasing me, and I'm like. Why don't you know that I've done (laughs) it?
1: Yeah, valid point.
2: Well, the the system isn't that efficient. The the system is efficient enough that if you go to a hotel site, you go to the shoe site, they've got a web bug, right, which is just a mechanism for setting a cookie. It's just maybe there's no ad on the page and they want to cookie you. And then in those stock market exchanges, the companies that specialize in retargeting Specialize in buying the cookies at the sites that they have pixeled or web bugged in order to retarget you. Um, but no, um, so hey, a couple things. Um, first of all, your phone is not actively listening to anybody or anything. If you have a smart assistant, right, like Alexa or a, a Google Assistant, um, and your phone is simply listening for a wake word and isn't sending any data to the internet. Right. So uh, if you have a, do you have a, an echo or a Google assistant or one of these things in your, in your space?
1: Um, I'm not trying to have them listen to me. So of course not.
0: <laughs> I have an, I have an Alexa. I have a, Alexa. Right. a vector robot. Who but is I only... unplug it because I am scared yeah. of that.
2: It does robot. have a button.
0: Yeah. It has to hard. leave. Yes has there's a hard the
2: button that, that will disconnect it from actually it'll turn off the microphone. But what it does is it listens for the, the wake word, right? Which is either Alexa, or if you're married to an Alexa, you can change it to computer or something else like that. Right. And it continues to erase every couple of seconds what it has heard. Right. So it's listening, Alexa, do I hear Alexa? Do I hear Alexa? And you're like, Moan, groan, cookies, happy, jewels, whatever, right? Um, and it, if it doesn't hear Alexa, it drops that. It, it's listening to it in like memory and then it drops it. So if I grabbed your Alexa, there'd be nothing on it. And indeed, the cops have tried to grab these things to see whether someone who was killed and there was a you know, an echo in the house. Where's the evidence? Do we have her screaming while he runs around yelling, you know, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. Um, and it isn't there because all it has is the last couple of seconds. Now, if it hears the wake word, bingo, you're now connected to the internet, and it's just like you're typing it in, right? Your voice is just a new user interface for the internet.
1: So if you wanted Alexa to hear you, so if somebody's breaking in, you could be like, Alexa, and then you could describe what this person looks like, and then she could technically save you later
2: or he or let's assume you were tragically murdered and the cops said are there any clues they could go to amazon and say do you have any records for what this person like tried to search for right if they activated the the device um you know you you they would have uh you searched for shoes no you searched for help The police, i need help and that would be in those um, log files um, as um, we couldn't answer this answer. You know, we couldn't answer properly. We we didn't have, you know, someone's going to be debugging it. Like, why didn't Alexa be able to serve like the right answer here? Was this somebody asking for the weather or looking to buy a knife or like call the police and stuff like that? By the way, it does call the police. So don't yell that out too loud, please.
0: (laughs) Imagine trying to be like, call the, or like somehow asking to call the police. And they're just like, here's the song. Don't stand too close to me by the police. And it's like, no.
2: <laughs> All right. If you have one at home, <laughs> yeah. try this. And I have a okay. little bit of credit for this. Cause when we worked with the privacy team, when um, Alexa was first being developed, what did I do? Privacy geek. I'm like, Alexa, what's your privacy policy? And of Mm -hmm. course it, it didn't have an answer. And I'm like, "Yo, people, how could it not give me an answer? And they're like, okay, we'll get back to you. They come back a couple of months later. And I'm like, well, does it answer that? They're like, yeah, but frankly, we did our research and nobody had been out, you know, for a number of months in the hands of millions of people said, nobody has ever said, Alexa, what is your privacy policy? I'm like, well, that's pretty sad. And they're like, no, no, no. (laughs) But we did our research. And you know what people do ask? People ask, Alexa, are you spying on me? I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay. And they're like, go ask it. So if you've got this at home, Hmm. go turn to your Echo. I think Google will answer as well, but I know the Echo does because we work with them. And if you say, Alexa, are you spying on me? You get a really good answer, it will explain. I only listen for the wake word and then when it opens <laughs> up and then, and then here's where you can get my privacy policy. So Alexa will huh. deny spying on you. If you ask it. What if and you religion.
1: say, Alexa, are you telling me the truth? Can I verify this information? Prove it, Alexa.
2: They have all kinds of creative answers <laughs> to every <laughs> silly answer. The problem they have is good. that some of these devices, so I won't name which company, but Oh, I I'm a bit of a Democrat, you might say. And so I turned to my smart device um, sometime two or three years ago. And I said, is Donald Trump an idiot? And I got a very good answer, which I was very happy with. But I was like, wait a second. I'm happy with this answer. But should Alexa be saying Yes. Well, in Hmm. fact, Donald Trump is an idiot and like had like sources and citations. I'm like elite uh, Silicon
0: Valley bias.
2: (laughs) So they fixed that. It no longer gives you that answer anymore. But, you know, but it's an interesting Mm -hmm. question, right? Because if I googled that question, Google would give me some answers, right? And I, I, I know it's not Google's view, right? It would be like right. Google is Donald Trump an idiot, and you'll get a bunch of answers that say, "Well, uh, 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 this newspaper said here he was called an idiot twelve times, right? Donald Trump <laughs> called an idiot eight million, right? Whatever." And I wouldn't be like Google says, right? But when the Google assistant answers, even though they're searching and it's like the top mm-hmm. result or the most relevant result, it's all like, "Oh, Google, you are telling me." You know, this thing. So they constantly have to worry about people like asking like nasty stuff and getting mm. good answers, but therefore being horribly um when um Mattel rolled out smart Barbie, do you remember the Barbie? Um, well, the smart Barbie that you could talk to and so forth. So again, I worked at AOL, I worked on kids and teens policy and kid safety. So what do I do when I get my hands on the beta smart Barbie, I'm like, Barbie, my parents are beating me. Barbie, my father's molesting me. Barbie, I just swallowed poison. And Barbie says to me, uh, I can play three games, say one, if you want to play Patty cake. And I'm like, people, they're like, well, no <laughs> one's going to do that. I'm like, yes, people are going to do that. That's what happens when yeah. you have digital. Yeah, devices. I, like, I feel
1: like a kid is going to confide in Barbie. Barbie's a so, friend.
2: So they went back and they provided reasonable answers. And oh. guess what? Not a lot of good answers. Like, what do you want smart Barbie to do? If a kid says, my parents are beating me. like, I'm a pretty good parent, but I don't know. There are times my kids would be like, I didn't beat them, right? But they would be like, you're the worst father ever, right? You're yeah. terrible, you're evil, you're abusing us because like I Dematic. wouldn't let them like I wouldn't <laughs> buy them an Xbox or something, right? Um, and do you want like Barbie calling the cops on the parent? Like because right. Right, how do you be responsible for distinguishing between, you know, abuse and emergency and like really? You want your smart home stuff calling the police on you? Do you want your echo? I think that's a domestic dispute. It sounds like it's getting pretty heated. Let's call the police. Like, oh, no. Whoa. Hold on there. Right. Yeah. So what yeah. does
1: Barbie do?
2: So I think at the end of the day, they worked out like if there's an emergency, you know, call 911 there. You know, they were not like jumping into do, um, But um, the smart speakers do give, for instance, um, like rape center resources. They they do have, depending on the question, if you say, like, I want to kill myself and so forth, they they now, you know, after years of work, mm. they've got teams that work on um, what is the right, uh, you know, way to deal with this. And um, they'll refer you to, you know, um, domestic violence shelter or they'll give you a number of a rape hotline or, you know, um give you advice of, of, um, you know, that that hopefully you can take.
0: Yeah. That leads me to um, our last question for you, because we wanted to see what you thought about kind of like looking maybe five to 10 years down the line. What are some of the questions? Because like we're noticing, obviously we have some of us have Alexas in our home. We're having smart cars. We have smart Barbies. We have, uh, we're we're getting uh, AI is entering our daily lives more and more and more. What are some of the privacy questions that you think will be asking five or ten years down the line that people might be think want to think about?
2: Yeah, as long as we're asking questions, we're good. I think the danger is that we sometimes don't ask questions. We say, hey, we need this data because it'll make the AI better. Oh, we need this data because we got to track the spread of COVID. Or, oh, we need this data because um, we need voice recognition. So like the home speakers like need to understand us. So we have to record it all, right? Um, We need to know which kids like lost out during remote learning and which were paying attention and which weren't paying attention, right? There are all these places where there is potential societal value, commercial value, research value of data for very well-meaning purposes. But if we just walk gently into that, oh, we need facial recognition. We don't want school shooters in schools. Oh, right. We need uh, all these smart things. Um, Of course, we need cameras in cars we need to have the uber driver um, uh, you know on record if he abuses a passenger or can defend himself that he didn't or uh, got into an accident and has proof or the autonomous car needs to know am I in the car right So there are all these places where in so many ways biometrics, right my DNA maybe it can tell me uh, things that might help me live a healthier way or have targeted you know medicines. So as an optimist, which maybe if you've heard the last half hour, you you don't believe, but as an optimist who truly does believe that there are incredibly useful, important, societally beneficial uses of data. But if we just go blindly into all those things, we will have created an Orwellian society where we've handed over so much power to companies, to governments, even to each other, like, like we're abusing each other. Look what this person said on Twitter when they were like in high school, they were a racist, they said this abusive thing. And like now 20 years later, it's like, sorry, you're gonna lose your job, right? Like even we are judging each other. And do we wanna live in a society where we are fully accountable? There, there's a Black Mirror episode that um, where you can like pull up you know, video of instant of anything mm, that happened in yes. the past. And you see these a couple, one. right? Like they just like destroy each other because you have total awareness and it's, it's just a, you know, it's devastating. So, you know what? The friction that makes some of these technologies a little harder to use, a little less available, not not available, right? My goal at the Future Privacy Forum is to put processes in place where we think about this. What's the ethical thing to do here? do you really get no privacy here? Maybe you don't, right? We're looking for a terrorist, there's an emergency, blah, 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 right? Uh, but over here, you know what? Maybe we are going to miss out and, and not catch a couple of bad guys, but not treat everybody as a suspect, right? We could stop and frisk everybody, we could official recognition everywhere, and maybe we'd have no crime, but we'd also have, you know, no independence and no autonomy, and everybody would be looking through everything, right? So having what what data protection and privacy really is about is not about guaranteeing us perfect control and perfect privacy, right? If I'm perfectly private about the fact that I'm contagious from COVID and I you know, um, spread it to lots of people, I've violated you know, your human rights and you have a right to know, wait a second, was I exposed, right? So at the end of the day, it's typically not about can you live on a mountain and like have no friends and like you know be cut off from the world for most of us data protection is rules and methods and laws and policies that help balance the rights and freedoms that force us to ask do i need to ask you permission here must i delete it maybe you gave it to me for one purpose that doesn't mean you can now sell it or use it for other purposes right it's having fair information practices it's having rights, controls, oversight, ethical reviews. And if we think hard and we stress each of these issues and we do it in a fair way and we have laws in place, we need a comprehensive privacy law in the U.S., which we don't have, we set the guardrails that can give us the benefits that I think we want. We may not agree. We've got to fight it out. we got to argue it. We've got to have a democratic process. And in that way, we can make sure that tech and data are used for the benefit of humanity.
1: That was incredible. I was just about to submit my vote. I was like, we've... Uh, I love it. Uh, we've learned a lot today. It's been a it's been a good episode, um, an interesting one for sure, and an amazing conversation all around. So thank you so much, Jules, for for being on the show today.
2: People might visit fpf.org if they really want to read a lot more about this, or even follow me at Jules Polinitsky on Twitter and tweet at me and agree or disagree with any of the things we said here today.
1: Tweet at him. Tweet Do at it. Him. Make tweet the right him. choice. <laughs>
0: Just talk to Jules Polonetsky, data privacy expert. Tell me your tech takeaways.
1: First of all, I, I do wish that we had actual cookies that we were eating while talking about the tech cookies. Because I think it should have been more of an interactive moment. I'm that, now. yeah, I'm like, ugh, should have had that. <laughs> <laughs> He's so he's so good. And I wanted I wish we had more time with him. I definitely want to bring him back on the on the air because I think data privacy has it's so large. It's just like a broad. What is data privacy? Yeah. And there's so much to dive into from when he was talking there's about a lot more to ask. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Talking about the ads to just regulations as a whole. I mean, there are two totally different things that we could talk about forever. And so I, I didn't have enough time with
0: him. I, I wanted to um, chime in and then I had lost my train of thought, but I wanted to say that I was recently talking to some friends about buying work shoes. Uh, well, a friend of mine wanted to buy work shoes. And we were like, well, have you tried this place and this place? And then I went on Instagram and I saw an ad for shoes. But it could be the thing where it's like I never noticed. Yeah. It could be a thing where, like, maybe I just never noticed shoes on my Instagram, like sponsored ad, or was my phone reading my text messages? Because honestly, sometimes I think they are. Yeah. I mean, I think
1: we go back and forth with this same conversation. And then we talk to experts who tell us that we're (laughs) not and And they're not. So. Are you sure? Yeah, (laughs) I think he gave us some good feedback of how we can test this again. I think we need to. I really want to test the the Alexa
0: thing, which I'm gonna do.
1: Yeah, he gave us a lot of tests. I also, he made me think a lot on on things because, yeah, I don't want Barbie to, you know, go spiral like call the police because you know, your child is like angry but I also do want Barbie to like notify someone if I don't know that the child is like a, I don't know, I don't know, it's like a fine line. <laughs>
0: it, it is, it fine it- as a whole. It turns into that, um, like you know, the philosophy question that they ask, like you know, were you, did the person steal the bread? Was it wrong to steal the bread if they were like trying to feed their starving family? And I just feel like are the philosophy questions and like maybe now, but like maybe in 10 years or so or like five years are going to be around data privacy. So we need to figure out, like,
1: what would Aristotle, Plato, you know, Foucault, what would the classic philosophers do today when it
0: comes to data (laughs) privacy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, Why don't. Listeners, why don't you think about it and let us know what you think? <laughs> yeah, get philosophical about your data privacy and then
1: email us at thattechpod at gmail.com to let us know what happened. What did you find? What did what do you think? Uh, check us out at
0: www.thattechpod.com. Gabby, You'll where else notice, can they find us? You you might notice that our website got a bit of an upgrade. Yeah. It's looking pretty good so yeah, everyone should just changing. go check it out yeah keep go check it out every week to see what new changes just, may or may not yeah. show up exactly um, people can also just do us a little bit of a favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us, uh, well first of all subscribe and share if you haven't already but just give us a five star review, you can leave uh, a comment or, or a criticism or anything and we will read it on air even though this isn't air um as in but laura said it and now it's in my head um but yeah just do that for us and we will love you forever that's a promise we'll love you forever also check
1: us out on linkedin and uh, follow us on twitter we tweet occasionally sometimes when Mm -hmm. we remember to we try Um, to (laughs) see you tuesday see you tuesday